Ah, so good. I love, I, I said in the beginning of the service, but it's just in my head that life swallows up death. That even though there is evil, that sin abounds, but where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. That, uh, I, you know, we just, on the, this is, uh, Sanctity of Human Life Sunday is on the heels of just six days ago was Martin Luther King Jr., uh, a day where we celebrated what he said, and to me it's connected to scripture, right? Uh, darkness can drive out darkness, only light can do that, right? Hate can't drive out hate, only love can do that. And so I, I love that open arms pregnancy clinic and things that we partner with. The idea is that we're not politically charged, we're not hating people that are against our opinions. No, we hate evil, but we love. We let love consume. We, we love the First Corinthians 13, right? We keep no records of wrong where love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. 50 years where it finally got overturned. We've been enduring just to love life and choosing life over and over again. And so for me, it's huge, right? Last year, love actually won in the Supreme Court. Love for life actually won. And um, Another segue, if you guys remember, um, Love Life is actually a name of another organization, different than Open Arms Pregnancy Clinic. Uh, Love Life, would they, the, this organization comes alongside churches to support the churches so that churches can support uh, women that are pregnant. And so the idea is that um, we are connected to Love Life and we have not had to use their resources, uh, but we, I have agreed that we will make the statement uh, once a year uh, and just reading what, what they are, that they want to give resources to those that are pregnant, that are thinking about abortion, that the church is not here to judge them and condemn them. We're here to help them. We're a resource. And uh, really quick, I don't want to spend too long on this, but I remember in high school going to a private Christian school with a little over 100 people in my graduating class, and someone in my class um, got pregnant. And I remember as a Christian thinking like, Right away, what came up with these, like, oh, my gosh, wanting to gossip and judge. Like, what were they thinking? And seeing how it was made public within our school, and it took a little bit, but the church, the church, the school, which is a Christian school, decided we need to support this dad and this mom. We need not say that they're horrible sinners and kick them out of the school. They can stay here at this school and just confess they made a, made a mistake, and now we're here to love on them and help them and support them. And so I praise God for the approach of that administration, that they had the wisdom not to kick these kids out for sinning, but saying, hey, let's address the issue and let's love on them. Let's support, let's support this. And so I don't want to rephrase this because they say it so well, but this is their heart to do the same thing. So I'm going to make this statement from Love Life, which is talking about us as a church. This is our position. So it says this, Osborne Neighbor Church is a house of refuge. This applies to everyone in this church or people you know that need a place of refuge. Here's what we believe. If you find yourself in an unplanned pregnancy, please know, please know that being pregnant is not a sin and the child you carry is not a punishment. It is a blessing. God is knitting this child in your womb. You may have made a sinful decision that led to this pregnancy or you have, may have been even sinned against, but we want you to know that you are loved and we will do whatever it takes to help you carry and care for this precious child before and after birth. We can never support or encourage a woman to have an abortion because the child you carry is made in the image of God and is intrinsically valuable and loved by God. You need to know how we will respond. Here's what we won't do. This church family will not gossip about you, shame you, or abandon you. This is a house of refuge, and we will not allow for the family of God to harm one another with words or actions contrary to the love of God as revealed in his word. Here's what we will do. 
We will do everything in our power to remove whatever obstacles stand in the way of you having this child. There are people in this church ready to mentor you, throw you a baby shower, and connect you with resources inside and outside of our church. We will also hold men accountable for living out their calling to provide and protect women and children. Finally, if you have ever had an abortion in your past, we want you to know that abortion is not an unforgivable sin. Whoever confesses and forsakes their sin finds mercy. If you have never gone through a post-abortion Bible study, we will be happy to connect you to one so that you can walk in complete healing and freedom. This is our statement. This is who we are as a family. We choose to love life. We choose to have life swallow up everything. We choose to have love conquer evil. We choose to have, right, love conquer hate, to have light conquer darkness, all these things. And so I love partnering with organizations like Open Arms Pregnancy, Love for Life. This is who we are as a church. Yes, I make decisions when I vote based off of their political stance of pro-life or pro-choice. That is true. But this is not an... This is not a political statement that I'm making here this morning. This is just straight from the word of God and straight from my heart as a dad. I love life. I love kids, whether they're outside the womb or inside the womb. And so um, I love that we get to do that. We spend at least one day a year honing in, focusing on this specific thing. And so this morning, I'm not going to have a whole sermon just on this, but I want to connect it to what we're talking about this morning. Um, This morning, we're going to talk about um, the significance of a seed, the significance of a seed. So if you're taking notes, that's the title of this morning's message, Significance of the Seed, Significance of a Seed. Um, and we're going to look at this and how, yes, we believe as a church that life begins at conception. There is value in a seed. There is value when seed finds good soil, that's when life begins. And I think I can say that as a human life, right? I don't want to get in, keep it G-rated, G right? But a seed and an egg have to come together. And at that conception, when they come together, when they, that is life begins. It's not when there's a heartbeat. Some people argue that, and I'm great. Let's pass laws that if there's a heartbeat, let's protect that life. But I'll tell you, life begins at conception. When that seed is, finds good soil, that's the beginning of life. And for us, we protect life. We choose life. We love life. And so that's just making sure we make that statement. It's not that we are angry with people that, that want to make other decisions. No, I, I will stand on the word of God. I'll speak the truth in love, right? And I know this is I, probably later in my message I'm going to get to this, but it's so important. I'm just going to say it now. I think the church has been amiss, right? Before 50 years ago, the church was found sleeping. And that's how this law got passed, Roe v. Wade, Right? But then for 50 years, the church has been getting involved, and we've been praying, we've been doing things. And so to me, this is, the overturning of Roe v. Wade is the result of the church praying and being involved. And there's a whole lot more work that still needs to happen, right? As you heard him say, California is probably the most pro-choice state there is in all 50 states. There's a lot that needs to happen, but I want to make sure that our hearts don't grow cold, and that we don't become bitter and angry, that we choose life and we choose to do it in a way that is loving and winsome. Does that make sense? I know I've been under the influence of a political spirit before where I know I can tell you I'm right. I have the scriptures to back up where I am right and that other political party or that politician is wrong and I can prove it, make it clear as day. I'm right, they're wrong. But the problem is my heart isn't right. I'm legally right. I'm justifiably right according to God's word. But God looks at the heart. 
And I feel like God is saying this is a season where the church has to get their heart right. If you remember last year, our vision was prepare your hearts and minds for action. We can't be a church where we're just politically charged and making every decision based off a political stance. No, we've got to learn how my heart is in the right place, my mind is in the right place, and so now I can take action. I can do the right thing because the motive is right. I guess I'll say in my own relationship with God, it's biblical. It's his kindness that leads me towards repentance. It's his gentleness. It's his goodness. It's his mercy that overwhelms me. Yes, I want to have a healthy fear of God that his standards are the law and I don't get to make up my own ways. He, I mean, he has sets the standards. So there's a healthy thing with the fear of God, but I find I'm already in relationship with God and in a relationship with him, when he corrects me, there's already been a deposit of so much of his love and his goodness that when he requires a withdrawal or a payment that I have to give him something, there's already been so much deposited that it's a joy to give him back what he's requiring of me. Is that making sense? So that's in my own, I'll say even with my own kids, just making it practical. I discipline my kids. I correct them. I show them where they're wrong. I can think of something specific just yesterday or correcting one of my kids. And, and I tried not to do it in a way that was authoritative and over the top, but just, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to highlight something you were blind to. Not a huge deal, but you were blind to this, and I'm just going to bring your awareness to it. And I praise God that my kids, because they're older now, there's been enough of me depositing love and affirmation and knowing that I am so for them that there can be an argument, but to see that moments later, that child came to me and said, Dad, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Like, I feel like it wasn't because I confronted and I spoke the truth. It's because... I was causing a withdrawal. Hey, I need you to step up and grow in maturity in this area, and I'm calling you out. But I hope you know that I've... Can I just get even more practical? Because I feel like I'm, sometimes more practical helps. When they were a little kid, I cleaned their diaper. I cleaned all their clothes. I put them all away in their drawers for them. I did everything for them when they were a baby, right? As they get older, I expect more. And so, not getting all the details, but... I found their dirty clothes, put some in the hamper for them. I took it all the way out to the garage. I put it in the washing machine. I did the wash. I switched it to the dryer, took it out of the dryer. I laid it out so it wouldn't be wrinkly, and I asked to put it away to help me with some of it, right? I'm not doing it all. So am I being a mean dad? You make go for it. No, I'm just like, hey, I'm still depositing a lot. I'm still doing a lot, and now I'm requiring something from you. And now you're giving me a hard time on me requiring you of one little thing, right? So I'm giving you that practical, but I make, I'm trying not to pick it on my kids. I'm trying to make it practical for us in life. That God requires something from us. He's saying, I'm going to withdraw, but know that I've already deposited a whole lot into your life. And so I hope you don't see this me being a mean dad that I'm requiring something of you. And you just have to sacrifice everything good in your life just to please God. No, he's saying, no, I'm a good dad. I'm a good father. I do a whole lot for you. Things you had no idea that I was taking care of you. And yes, now I'm requiring something because I'm mean? No, because I want to mature you. I want you to grow in character. I want your life to be better than it is right now. And that means you're going to have to go through something. That means you're going to have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That means you're going to have to be near me and see how my rod and my, com my staff, they comfort you. You won't know that comfort unless you go with me through the valley, right? I can go through this all over the place but I feel like this is what the Lord is saying. He's saying for us as a church, we need to learn how to speak truth, but it's so drenched in love. I know there's politicians 
that think the church is their enemy. And I don't want to make this a whole political thing, but I just want to make sure that on this love life thing, that the church, we're no longer labeled as angry and bitter and mad at everyone else that's pro-choice. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm mad at injustice. I hate evil. God's word says to hate evil. I hate evil. But those people that are deceived, I don't hate people that are deceived. I want to love them into the kingdom. I want my kindness and my gentleness to woo them and win them in to say, this is a place, this is a house of refuge. We love people no matter what. But I love you enough to speak the truth. Like I said, I want to stay on this the whole time, but I feel like there's some more that needs to be said. Okay, yeah, I'll say that. Nowhere in my notes whatsoever. So I'm trying to navigate this as the Holy Spirit tells me, but... If you remember last year, I think it was, it was in February last year, right after uh, Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, we had someone come and share and actually provoke us into action, to do something to care about life. And I loved his heart that he is, that's his mission in life. Um, Seth Gruber, if you guys remember him, he came. And I love that his passion is to see abortion come to an end, to see America rally and understand the value of life. And I love all that. But there was tainted in with that, if you remember, I have no problem saying, speaking truth and love. There was tainted in that an anger towards the people that are making wrong choices. I want to partner with him in seeing abortion come to an end. But I want him to be brought into the love of the church that we love people well. That we don't ridicule, make fun of, and blast and shame people who are making wrong choices. Whether that's the abortion issue or whatever issue in life it is. I will not ridicule someone who's wrong. That's not how I treat my children at home. My kids are wrong often. But I don't ridicule them. I don't shame them into obedience. I love them into a place, hey, this is, I'm, I have enough deposit in your life. I have enough relationship value and, and I've stewarded enough stuff or I've deposited enough in your life that now you listen to my words matter to you. So let me tell you, there's actually a better way to live life. It actually go better for you if you do it this way, right? That's where the church, God is calling the church in this generation that we learn how to address issues where we love life, where life swallows up death. Is this making sense? Because it's not just a political thing. I hope we get more actively involved. I hope you get active in supporting Open Arms Pregnancy Clinic, that you go to serve, you put some money to bless them, that you do something. Action is required. But I just feel like that our heart and our motive and the method and the way that we do things, it matters to God so deeply. One more thing and I'll, I'll move to the next thing. Just one more thought on this. I have no problem saying that abortion is murder. And that might seem a very severe stance. But that's the truth of God's word. Ending a life is murder. But I want us as a church body to remember everything Jesus said. The Holy Spirit reminds us the things Jesus said. He guides us into all truth. I think some of us in this room we're quick to say, amen, abortion is murder. But do you remember what Jesus said? He said, if you have hate in your heart towards a brother, you're just as guilty as murder. We have no problem saying abortion is murder, and yet we have hate towards politicians. Can I say to the church today, can I speak truth in love? You're just as guilty, according to Jesus' words, you're just as guilty as murder as an abortionist. 
And I want us to come to the altar. He's saying that song. His arms are open wide for the abortionist and for the person that has hate in their heart towards someone. Praise God, his mercy triumphs over judgment. I need his mercy in my life. And so I don't want to keep talking about this, but I just want to make sure that our heart is right on this issue. That we're not just right to say abortion is murder, but that we're able to approach the situation with clean hands and a pure heart. Can I even just really quick, before I move on to the next message, can I just pray over that, that God would change our heart? Psalm 51 says that he can create a clean heart in us, filled with clean thoughts and right desires. So I'm going to pray that hate is driven out by love today in this church body. Amen? So God, I thank you. I thank you for what you're saying right now. And God, I, I submit to your truth. I submit to your correction. God, I have been guilty in the past of hearing a politician spout lies. And I have a righteous anger that came with inside of me. It's not wrong to be angry, but it, your word says, in your anger, do not sin. And God, I confess that with my mouth, I sinned. I said things that I should not have said about my brother. I confess my sin to you. And as Pastor Nick said, quoted during worship, you are faithful and just to forgiveness of all unrighteousness if we confess our sins and believe in our hearts that you are Lord. So God, I confess this sin to you. And I ask that you create in me a clean heart, God, filled with clean thoughts and right desires. God, where I've thought evil thoughts, Holy Spirit, would you wash my mind would you fill my thought with, with whatever's clean and pure and righteous and noble of good report that my mind would dwell on these things, that life would swallow up death, that love would consume me, that I would be passionate to love people more than prove that they're wrong, that when I speak truth, God, it's drenched in love. God, may America change laws because the church is so loving, not because the church is so right. So God, I thank you that you heal my heart. But God, I pray that you would restore unto me the joy of your salvation. That no shame or guilt or oppression or a downcast spirit, God, would be on the church, but that we'd be able to rejoice with clean hands and a pure heart. That we would not rejoice in iniquity, in our anger towards people that are wrong, but that we would rejoice when truth wins out. So God, I thank you. I thank you that you are breaking the teeth of the enemy right now. And that love is conquering. Amen. Love is winning. Thank you, we thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen, amen. amen. All right. So there's significance in seed. There's significance in that child with that conception, right? That moment of conception. But I want to say that it's beyond just a human conception. There is significance when the word of God goes forth. And Jesus says it's like a seed. When the word of goes, goes forth, it does not return void. Amen. It accomplishes what it was set out to do. Yeah. 
But Jesus tells this parable in Matthew, is it chapter 13? I better pull it up. I think I have it back there too. Find it in my notes somewhere in here. Uh, yes, Matthew 13, three through, three through eight. Let's read this real quick. This is Jesus, red letters in your Bible. We can read it up here. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew and that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. We'll stop there. Jesus is saying that the word of God is like a seed. It goes forth, and there's significance, there's power in the word of God. I love what Peter said. Jesus gave some harsh things. He started saying some harsh things. And it says the the multitudes that came and were fed, they all left. Jesus was thinking, this is hard to understand. It's hard to receive. And they did not receive the word of God. It was that stone. It was that path. Jesus was saying something and it was snatched away by the birds of the air. And everyone was leaving. And then Jesus looked at his disciples and said, are you going to leave me too? And what was Peter's response? Where else can we go? You alone have the words of life. When Jesus speaks, they're dripping with life. There's power in the seed or in the word of God. Going back to Genesis, God spoke, let there be light. And there was power. There was life in the word, right? And so Jesus, same yesterday, today, and forever, not just in Genesis and creation, not just when Peter was alive talking to Jesus. Today, Jesus is speaking that God is a God who continues to make himself known. He's not just a God who had a Bible written 2,000 years ago and it says, figure it out. He's saying, I speak. Jesus said it. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I want to live today out of the fresh rhema. What is God saying today? I find life when I hear what he is saying. I can't live off of yesterday's manna. I can't. There's life in what he said yesterday, but I need life today. I need life in the seed in the word of God. And he's saying this parable. He's not just saying those people out there, they have the path and their hearts are cold and things miss it. Do you know I'm guilty? I think when I get to heaven, they'll be so like, oh my gosh, so many times God was speaking the word of truth into my life and I did not receive it. My heart was cold. My mind was thinking about something else. I was not in tune with the spirit and a seed was thrown at Ryan's heart and it was so cold, so distracted that the bird just came, birds of the air came and snatched it away. And I missed out on life. I missed out on revelation that would transform me by the renewing of my mind. I missed out on it. I'm also guilty. It's not them out there. I'm also guilty of being shallow soil. That I received, God said something to me in my morning devotions. Like, oh man, that is good. In fact, I even went on the app and I shared it so the rest of the church could see what I learned. Oh man, I, I learned something good. And then the rest of the day, if you ask me, what, you, what did God say? Like, oh, I don't remember what God said. Because it was shallow ground. It sprung for that few moments. It was starting to grow roots. And then as the day went on, the sun came and dried out and wilted and it actually produced no fruit. I received it initially, but that word actually did not bear, I did not treat it as valuable. For a moment it had value and then I didn't keep, 
keeping it valuable. So it did not grow roots. It did not grow stems that actually bore the 30, 60, 100 fold. But I praise God I can look at my life and there are things that God has spoken in my life that I know he's getting a return on his word that he spoke to me. I praise God for that. That's where I feel fully alive. Oh, I'm walking in that, right? I skipped the one that chokes, right? Where it's planted somewhat good soil because there's weeds growing there. But then I've allowed things of this world to choke out other desires, choked out the word of God. This isn't just for people. I hope you get this. This was not just for salvation. It is talking about salvation. There are people that heard the word of God, that Jesus is their way, the truth of life. They said the sinner's prayer. I don't know about you. You might get, have different takes on things. I believe you can say the sinner's prayer and not end up in heaven. That's, just, that, that's me. You can have different takes. Different pastors have different takes. But for me, there has to be fruit. I read the parables of Jesus. And he says, you, tell, you can tell a tree by the fruit that it bears. If there's a tree that doesn't produce any good fruit, he says, my father's going to come and cut it off and throw it in the heap to be burned. So I know there's things in my life where I grew in an area and I stopped bearing fruit. It was choked out. And that area of my life is going to be cut off and it's going to actually, I'm going to get no reward in heaven for it. So I know it's not just salvation. There's things in my life too. But I hope we hear these things. I shared on Wednesday night, uh, earlier this week, I got to do a memorial. And I got to, the family wanted me to share the gospel. And so I got to share the gospel in this memorial. I don't know exactly, but around, I'll say around 20 people, mostly young people, they gave their life to Christ in the middle of that memorial service. I was able to sow seed, but I can't steward their soil. You and I, we're called to sow seed everywhere and anywhere we go. That's our job. Sow seed. Go and share the word of God. Show the rivers of living water coming out of us. So everywhere we go, life is coming out of us. People are able to get a drink. People are getting the word of God everywhere we go. That's how we're to live. But the reality is there's different soils. It doesn't mean everywhere I go, every single seed that I have sown does not mean that it's going to bear fruit. Those 20, odd, those 20 kids that accepted Christ, I don't know what kind of soil it is. And I don't get to live life with them. I don't get to steward their soil. Can I say it this way? I have four kids at home. I get to steward their soil. You can only steward soil in the context of family. I can sow seed anywhere. But soil, that only gets steward in family relationship. God is calling us as a church to value the word of God, to speak it into someone's life, to sow that seed. And within the context of family here, you and I, we have a responsibility to steward soil, Amen. to soften that soil where it's, it's only, it's real shallow. Well, then guess what? My job as a dad, I get to till that ground. I get to break up that fallow ground. I get to pull weeds. It's my job to steward their soil. Can I say this? I know God is calling me. I've been the pastor of the church for nine years, going on almost on 10 years now. When I first became the pastor, I had a full-time job. I had four kids, really young. I came, I'm just being honest with you. I came here, I preached a sermon, and I went back to doing crazy stuff at home and not having a lot of time to steward the soil of this church. Praise God, I'm in a new season where God is calling me to steward some soil. It's new for me. I know how to do it within my own immediate family, but I'm still learning how to steward the soil of this church family. I want to be careful. I don't want to go on this too long. But being the pastor of this church for years, there are people that have attended this church 
that I sowed seed into their lives. I sowed a lot of seed in their lives. But being honest, partly their fault, partly my fault, their soil was never stewarded. And all that seed, it never bore fruit. I want to be careful. There's people I, over these last several years, people that don't attend here any longer. I'm not trying to shed light or say anything bad. People that have come here that I've met one-on-one. I tried, I attempted to steward soil, but they would not allow me to. They would not come under my leadership. They would not come under me being the shepherd or me being the farmer or me saying, this needs to change. My kids, they know they're in dad's house. This needs to change. We're not moving on to the next thing until this changes, right? I want to say this in the most gentle way. I want to deposit. I want to earn the right to be a good farmer and a good shepherd and a good dad where I can steward your soil. I don't want to be someone who just blasts truth and I know I'm right and I wrote it down in here, I'll say it wrong. Just because someone's acting like an idiot doesn't mean I get to call them an idiot. (laughs) There are times where I, can I be honest? There's times I need to be hard. Tough love needs to happen sometimes. I'm not against tough love. I I can remember, I'll say Benjamin, I remember because he's my firstborn. I remember when he was a child, could, could barely say dada. I remember the first time spanking his hand. It crushed me inside to spank that little kid's hand. But I knew it had to be done. Because if this behavior became a pattern, it would ruin his life. It wasn't because it was bothering me and I, I just need to, you know, he, he offended me. And he, he, you know, and my, I don't know, my ego was challenged. No, it was this little one-year-old kid. And I'm spanking this precious little child. But I knew as a dad, I got to speak truth. And I praise God. I mean, I don't know. You can talk to my kids. I've gotten it wrong. Several times I've gotten it wrong as a dad. But I hope they would say and testify that more often than not, my dad gets it right. He loves me. He protects me. He provides. He speaks encouragement to me that when he does correct me, I can look back. And he's, he's already said so many positive things in my life that I can receive this word and I can value a harsh word. God is saying it's a season for me to earn that right to do it in your life. But it's also a season for you to open up to allow me to do that. Amen. So many things I didn't get to. Oh, man. All right, Holy Spirit, help. What am I still supposed to say and move on? Really quick, I just, I don't have time to do all this, but... Jesus says in Luke 16, 10, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in larger ones. I don't have time to go do all this, but really quick, if you remember, I said that word family, the very first time it ever happens in the Bible is the story of Noah. In Genesis chapter 8, you can go there. I have verses. I don't, want to, I don't have time to read it all. But context is king. To me, there's things about family that, G, uh, that God, after they're back on dry land, opens up the doors and it says family. All these animals went out. Noah and his family and his sons and their families went out. God reinstitutes the laws of nature. And he doesn't talk about gravity. He doesn't talk about thermodynamics. He doesn't talk about things that actually matter, right, in, in the things of how earth works. But he says, this is going to be remain. Seed and harvest time. What you sow, you will reap. Jesus talks about it. If you're faithful in little things, if you're faithful to steward soil in small ways, you can start stewarding it in bigger ways. I don't know why it's the Holy Spirit because I would not do this on my own. I promise. 
because this was nowhere in my thinking, nowhere in my notes, and I'd said it last time, I felt really weird saying it. I'm going to say it again. But God's word says that if you aspire to be a bishop or an overseer in the church, let him be a man of one wife and a good steward of his household. I don't know why I have to keep saying this. I'm not a perfect dad. I may not be the best dad on the planet, but I am a good dad. I am a good husband, and I want to be that for you. I'm doing that in my immediate family, and I'm excited to see the health that I experience with my own kids. I love being a dad. I'm excited to see the joy that you get and the joy I get of being your spiritual dad in this season. Is that making sense? The Lord is saying this is the year of family, and God's going to enjoy, you're going to enjoy us becoming more and more family. You stirring words that are coming out of my mouth that I had no idea. There's so many things I planned to say that I didn't even say. But I believe God is speaking here today. And some of you are receiving different seeds. I can sow a lot, but I'm believing I've been praying that there's good soil here today. And that we learn how to steward this word of God. And how do we let it go into us and change us and actually mature us, that we blossom and we bear good fruit, that we become a family that people want to be around. I'm saying a church family that, man, politicians want to be around us. People that disagree with us want to be around us. All right, Holy Spirit, how do you want to land this plane? <laughs> um, yeah, we'll have the worship team come on up. We'll end with the last worship song that we always do. Um, as I'm thinking, you be thinking, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Is there a seed? I, man, I had points. I had all kinds of things. Is there a seed? You know the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you, hopefully. And there's something that you are to steward. I can't steward your soil all by myself. You've got to steward your own soil. Are you going to be a pathway where it just bounces off? Are you going to be the soil that's shallow and you receive something this morning, or are you going to let this go deep? Are you going to let things choke it out? Or are you going to say, no, I'm going to stand on this word of God, and I'm going to plant myself in a family. I'm going to plant myself and be accountable to one another. I'm going to bless others. Because I believe I'm not the only one in this room that has a calling to sow seed. You are to be equipped as ministers. You are to be equipped to do the work of the ministry. So God is speaking to you to take some of the words you're getting to go sow it the rest of this week. Take something and go share it with someone. Take responsibilities. I've been saying God's telling me, calling me out, Ryan, you got to steward other people's soil, not just your own soil. When I come to church, I don't get to just foster this own soil. I'm coming with a mindset. I've got some other soil I've got to steward. And God is saying, it's not for Pastor Ryan only. Some of you, are, he's calling you out. There's someone, there's a family member, biological, church. There's somebody that God is saying, would you just partner with them and love on them? Put your arm around them, encourage them, speak life into them. So I'm going to connect this thought. If you didn't know, I'm a huge Jack Hayford Chan, Chan, Francis Chan fan is what I used to always say. I'm also a Jack Hayford fan. And he just passed away recently, and I steal all, this is his Bible that he edited, and I, I steal quotes from him all the time. I love him. We don't have to do this all the time, 
But I remember going to his church before I came to, the, before I came to Osborne, I went to a uh, church on the way. And he would do every once in a while, have people in the congregation just get together in small groups and just pray for each other. And then he'd go on with the service. We're going to end service. Can I challenge you to pray for someone right next to you? Just for a second, you don't have to become responsible for their soil for the rest of your life. But for this moment, before you leave the room, would you just steward some soil other than your own? Would you speak words of life, words of affirmation, words of encouragement? Maybe just pray, see what's going on in their life, and just say, hey, I'm going to pray for you today, and I'm going to pray for you at least one more time throughout the week. I don't know if I'll pray for you every day, but I'll, I'll commit to what I can do. And I'm just going to pray as we close that the Holy Spirit leads you. And if you're not, I'll say this really quick. If you're not comfortable praying out loud, then be faithful to steward the little things. Just say, I'll give you the words to say. Lord, would you bless this person in Jesus' name? Amen. That could be as easy. But if it came out of your mouth and that was a stretch, then you're doing the right thing. But I would love for you to steward something right now. Take the word of God. Take an opportunity to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this in and I'm going to try it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work it out. Is that making sense? Do you guys kind of know what to do? Find a little circle. I don't know. You find out three people, sure. If you're getting to five people, don't go much bigger than that because it's got to be a small little group. We're a small church. Keep it small. Is that making sense? So would you stand with me? I'm going to pray. And then you pray and you get dismissed. As soon as you're done praying, you're dismissed. Service is over with, all right? So God, I thank you that you're here today. I thank you that you do all things well. God, that even though in my mind, my sermon was all over the place, God, I pray that Holy Spirit, you just would breathe life on whatever was spoken. That the spirit of living God would fall afresh on us. Even as we go to pray for those around us, Holy Spirit, would you anoint each one of us? that we would be ministers of your gospel right now, that we would have good news, good words to share with one another, that we'd have a prophetic word, that we'd, have, we'd be led by your spirit to say something that we would not say on our own. So God, I pray for a blessing over everyone here, that we would be bold and courageous and try something, and that you would reward the blessing. God, there would be, there would be a reward for obedience today, God. So God, I just pray that you would be glorified and honored in our obedience to you, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Would you find those little circles? Pray and we'll have some worship singing in the background. What a sin.